I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parenting Aces podcast. We have a great conversation this week with UK tennis parent Sharon Gaskin. And I think it's really cool to hear the perspective of someone outside the U.S. on the tennis journey, on deciding to send your child to an academy to train, and also to speak about the college recruiting process from an international perspective. And Sharon is absolutely brutally honest with us in this week's conversation. And I'm just so pleased to be able to bring her perspective to all of you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with tennis parent Sharon Gaskin. Sharon Gaskin, welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast all the way from the UK. So glad you could join us. Yeah, um, yeah, really glad to be here, Lisa. Really excited to be talking to you uh, today. Well, you and I have been communicating for several years now. I don't really know how we first connected. I know it was through Facebook, but um, it's been so fun for me to have a tennis parent buddy across the pond and kind of share experiences from the tennis parenting point of view. And so that said, I would love for you to give our listeners a little perspective on what it's like to be a tennis parent in the UK. Oh, gosh. Um, I guess, do you, do you want to sort of know the whole story of kind of how it all, how it all started? Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Because that's a question that people often ask me. Um, it, you know, obviously, we, we got to know each other because of our shared love of tennis and the fact that we have both got um, sons who play tennis. And um, so I've been on the whole sort of tennis journey, really, from <laughs> sort of, you know, um, Ryan just sort of getting started to, to, to where he is now. And um, people often say to me, um, you know, how do you play tennis yourself? And I say, no, I don't play tennis. I know that you do. Um, but I just like watching tennis. So, you know, I've always been a tennis fan, you know, right from when I was a child. And um, people often say to me, you know, how, how did how did Ryan get started, you know, playing tennis? And I will always say, well, it was just a complete freak um, because what actually happened um, he was at uh, his first school that the sort of we call them first schools here in the UK where, that you go to when you're sort of between four and five. And um, next door to his school, there was a little tennis club, very, very small club with only kind of like two courts there. And um, on a Friday afternoon after school, um, the, uh, the kids used to go across to the tennis club and basically just hit a few balls and, you know, the mums used to have a cup of tea and have a chat and kids really just used to let off steam at the end of the week. And, uh, yeah, and so, you know, that Ryan was sort of hitting the ball and everything and having fun. And, and at the end of doing this, probably for about two months, the, the guy who was running the sessions said to me, oh, um, you know, your little boy, like, 
you know, he's he's really good, probably one of the only ones who could hit the ball, you know, the whole sort of hand-eye coordination thing. And uh, said to me, oh, you really ought to sort of get him some, you know, proper sessions, you know, at a bigger club. So that's what we did. We went along to a bigger club and he kind of joined in some group sessions. And um, my daughter was also doing it at the time. He was two years older. She, uh, you know, joined in as well. And it kind of all started from there. So it kind of just as easily um, couldn't have happened, <laughs> if you know what I mean. You know, sure. it was just a complete, a complete freak. And our tennis journey um, in the UK kind of started from there, really. Um, you know, we were, we were so naive looking back. I knew very little about... Um, about you know junior tennis and and how it operates and as far as I was concerned you know Ryan was just doing some kind of um, as I say some some squads at the the club then he started to enter what we call county tournaments which I guess in in America you would call maybe state tournaments or regional tournaments we would call them county tournaments which are just really for maybe within sort of 30-40 mile radius and, um, you know, he started playing those and he used to win them all, uh, you know, quite easily and stuff like that. And and we were, <laughs> we were, that was our world and we were not aware that there was a whole other world out there of regional tournaments, national tournaments, you know, all this kind of thing. And um, And one day his coach said, well, you know, I think we've kind of, you know, there's no point you playing these county level tournaments anymore. Really, you need to go up to the next level and start doing regional tournaments. And and if you do well, then you do national ones. And honest to God, Lisa, I, I had no idea. It, it was <laughs> it was a completely different world uh, that I was suddenly kind of plunged into at the age of probably around that time. You would have been about nine or ten. And yeah, it was a completely different world. You know, started going to these tournaments where, you know, the parents took it really seriously and, you know, you it was really competitive and they'd be shouting at their kids and the kids would be crying and, and oh, it was all very, very, very serious. <laughs> and it was a, it was a bit of a shock. And obviously, you know, you were coming across kids that obviously at that stage then, you know, he wasn't winning those tournaments comfortably, you know, because obviously there were kids who were either as good or better than him. So, yeah, so it was a whole completely and utterly different world. Um, And and that's, yeah. (laughs) That's how you got started. Well, so you're not from London. You're from a smaller town in England. And when when the coaches said that Ryan was ready to start traveling, what did that mean in terms of a family commitment? I mean, I'm not familiar with the area in England that you're from. Did that mean, you know, a day trip or were you then forced to find hotels and, you know, you're all of a sudden your spending goes (laughs) through the roof with, with this nine year old child who is showing some promise or, or how did that work for you? Well, actually, it had a massive impact um, on the family because um, what actually happened was at that that stage, I was um, I had my own business, 
and uh, and I was I'm a trainer and I basically used to go into training companies and run um, you know training programs for them and they were all around the country and uh, when the LTA um, came along to me we have something called sort of we have like a talent ID system in the UK that the LTA is in charge of um, so basically as some kind of representative of the LTA um, came to and, and let me just interrupt the LTA is comparable to our USTA it's that's right the yeah. governing body in the that's UK right. so, that's okay right. Yeah. So so they came to me um, when Ryan was nine and said, actually, you know, he needs to be in a high performance centre. And there, there were high performance centres um, dotted around the country at that stage. There were about, I think, about 12 of them around the country. And we were quite lucky because we had one literally sort of on our doorstep uh, in, Birmingham, in Birmingham. Um and that was great. That was a great opportunity for him because obviously, you know, he'd get to sort of, you know, be in a better programme and with better players and all the rest of it. But um, it was a lot of hours, a lot of commitment. And I had to go and pick him up from school at 12.30 every day and take him up to the centre and stay with him um, pretty much all afternoon and early evening because he was still only kind of nine ten. Um, so that meant I couldn't do the same job that I did before. So I closed my training business down and I started a new business, which is more um, still a training business, but doing more online stuff. And that enabled me to, um, you know, to pick him up from school and, and take him up to the high performance center. So that was the first impact <laughs> that, that, that we had. And That's a pretty, ba- a pretty major one. It was a it was a huge major one because I because financially I'd gone from having a you know a very nice sort of business with a decent level of income to starting a new business where quite frankly in the first year I could have earned more working in McDonald's you know it was right. <laughs> you know it was because it's hard you know when you're starting a business again from scratch sure so, and meanwhile you also had a daughter who is. Yes. Two years ahead, is she, was she still playing at that point? Oh God, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she'd given up. Where in in the, the little squad that they used to go together when Ryan started putting shots past her, she used to start crying and say, <laughs> "Don't like this anymore. How come he's younger and he's better than me?" So it didn't last very long. But uh, but yeah, it had an impact on her as well because she was having to come home from school to an empty house um, because I was, you know, at the, in Birmingham at, at the High Performance Centre. And also, as you, you know, your question was around the, the costs of uh, tournaments and travelling. And, yeah, because he was doing pretty much, um, you know, regional level, national level tournaments. Um, some were in our area, um, but many of them weren't. And so, yes, I was travelling around the country pretty much, every weekend every other weekend taking him to tournaments staying in hotels all at the exact time where my where the family income had dropped quite considerably because obviously I was having to sort of start this new business um so yeah it was uh you know looking back (laughs) I must have been mad (laughs) Well, and I think we all kind of, in hindsight, we look back and and say, you know, what in the world were we thinking spending the amount of money and time for a 9, 10, 11-year-old, right? I mean, it's it's crazy, but we all do it. 
And um, yeah, it's, it's quite a journey. So Ryan continued to get better and um, become more competitive at a higher level. And at, at a certain point, you guys made the decision and I don't, I would, I'm interested to hear where the idea of this started and, and who was involved in the decision-making process. But at some point you decided that Ryan should go train with the Soto Tennis Academy in Spain. Mm. Talk a little bit about that whole process of a determining that it was time for him to go elsewhere, B, choosing Soto and how you came to, to make that decision, and C, again, the impact that had on your family as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a kind of like a number of things actually came together. Um, that, you know, and they all came together and, and all, all had an involvement in kind of our decision to, for, for him to go to Spain. Um, the, the place that he was at um, in Birmingham, the High Performance Centre, um, went through a number of changes. Um, basically, the LTA changed their, their, the whole funding structure and the performance structure. And they decided that they were going to kind of merge that particular center with another one. And that meant that, um, you know, they they brought in different coaches, they brought in different players, um, and the whole setup was was completely different. And basically, um, we didn't like it. (laughs) We didn't like the new coaches, Ryan didn't like the new coaches. Um, The whole thing was completely different. And... We were also at a stage um, educationally as well where he was coming up to 14. And in the UK, I don't know whether it's the same in America, but we have something, you're in high school and when you get to 14, uh, you then have to choose what subjects you're going to do for your GCSEs, which are the exams that you take when you're 16 in the UK. Um, and so school suddenly becomes a lot more serious, you know, um, because obviously you've got to do the hours to, to, you know, to do your GCSEs. So I had kind of gone into school and school up till then had been very supportive, um, you know, with, with this education, you know, they gave him lots of time off to, you know, to go and play tennis every day. And I went into school and I said, OK, well, we need to sit down and talk through you know, how this is going to work, bearing in mind that he was um, going to do his GCSEs and had to choose his subjects. And the school all of a sudden weren't very supportive. (laughs) Oh, It's important that he's in school and, and, you know, it's it's been all very well up to now for him to play tennis, but actually, you know, if he's going to, you know, do these exams, then really he needs to be in school. So then, obviously, and I know quite often on the podcast, Lisa, you've taught yourself about the, um, you know, kids who are homeschooled or mm-hmm. go into a proper school and the advantages and disadvantages of that. So I was kind of thinking, oh, I'm not, I'm not kind of sure about this because I don't really think he's going to be able to stay in school and be able to play his tennis. Um, and then also what was happening with the, with the High Performance Centre, they, because it was changing, they suddenly decided they would bring in their own education system. So they would, you know, the idea would be that the kids would play tennis in the morning and then they'd do their education on site in the afternoon. 
Um, and that was fine. We went to a couple of meetings um, about it, but it was horrendously expensive um, on top of the, um, uh, you know, the, the cost of the, of the tennis programme as well. And I suddenly thought to myself, well, why, why, why on earth would we put everything into this? Why would we take him out of school and put him into this um, tennis system and education system in this particular centre if actually we're not happy with the tennis? You know, that, <laughs> that, that right. madness, it, it's not going to make sense. So we were a bit stuck really as to what to do, but we knew that we wanted to do something because um, there were a lot of other parents around at the time who were, who were also really unhappy with the way that things were going there. And I, I got fed up with hearing everybody moaning and complaining every night. And, and I thought, you know what, I don't want to be standing on this balcony in 12 months time still complaining and moaning. <laughs> you know, I want, to, I want to do something about it to change the situation, but I didn't know what to do. Now, um, when Ryan first started at, uh, at Edgebaston, his coach was a guy called, or one of his coaches was a guy called Dan Kinnan. And, um, you know, and he'd spent a lot of time with him. And then eventually he, he left to, to set up his own academy in Spain. And we'd, you know, kept in touch with him um, over, the, over the years. Ryan had actually been out to Spain. Um, he went there when he was 11 for a week um, and really loved it over there. And that particular summer... Um, it was it was the summer before he was 14 so it was kind of June July uh, 2013 and he decided he'd like to go over there spend some time in Soto for a week and also do a tournament with them so he went to did that went to um, they went to Portugal they did he did a tennis Europe um, under 14 event in Portugal um, came back and, and really loved it but but, you know, that was it. We didn't sort of, you know, think anything more of it at that stage. But then by the end of the summer, when all this was sort of going on in terms of, oh, God, what are we going to do about, you know, education and, and, and all the rest of it? Um, I suddenly thought, well, maybe maybe Spain could be an option. You know, maybe that's the answer. Um, so... So, so basically, I, I, I talked to Dan about it, and, and he thought it was a good idea as well. And he sort of um, gave us some help <laughs> financially so that that could that could happen, you know, if we wanted it. And so then, then I talked to, to Ryan about it because at the end of the day, Lisa, it was his decision, you know, because it would be a big big thing for him to do. And so. We talked to him about it. We actually talked about it as a family, um, including my daughter. And we went through the pros and cons of, of staying in school and not doing tennis or going to Edgebaston and doing this new system. No, bearing in mind he wasn't happy with the tennis or going to Spain. And we did that. And then actually we just left it, uh, left it completely. We didn't talk about it for two or three weeks. And I just left it with him. And I said, come back to me when you've, you know, when you've had some, some, some time to think about it. So we just left it. And then literally about three or four weeks later, just out of the blue, we were sitting on the sofa one night and he turned to me and he said, mum, I think I want to go to Spain. <laughs> wow. And, and that was that, 
and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine as a mum of this kid who was just not even 14 at that stage? And I was like, I was nodding and smiling, but inside I was thinking, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we have all been there with our kids in one way, shape, or form. So. Yeah, you know, what have I just agreed to? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's how it all happened. Um, it, it, I, I think for us, it was like I say, it was a number of things that came together. I don't think. I mean, everybody has uh, said to me that was a big decision and it must have been really hard. And why did you do that? Um, I don't think we would have done it if he was just going to some kind of strange academy in Spain where he didn't know anybody. Um, it was as much about going to, to Dan as his coach as it was about going to Spain. You know, if Dan had been had an academy somewhere in the UK, we probably would have gone there as well. It, you know, it wasn't all about it, the fact, you know, about going to Spain, although there were there were certain advantages of doing that, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But it was um, it was just a happy coincidence, really, <laughs> that those right. came together. Right. And so, so he made the move and, um, at Soto, he, he lived there and did his schooling there. And I mean, you saw him on a regular basis, but not a frequent basis, right? Uh, hardly saw him at all, to be honest. I think I, for the first year, I think I, I went out there twice. I think, um, I know I, he started in the September, and I went out there in the October. And then I think I went out again the following year. Um, but no, the trips certainly weren't regular. Um, one, because it's, got, it's fairly cheap to fly over to Spain from the UK. But obviously, when you get there, you've got to hire an apartment. And, um, you know, you're eating out and, and all the rest of it. So, you know, before you know it, you've gone through a £1,000 in a week. And quite honestly, I would rather have put that money towards him doing, you know, an ITF tournament or something like that. So I was always aware of, you know, still, you know, always sort of careful about, about, about money. So I didn't go there a lot, <laughs> to be honest. Although you, at the back of your mind, although, you know, we did miss him and it was really hard to, you know, to not see him and to worry about, you know what he was doing and all the rest of it you you always knew that if there were if anything happened you know you could be on a plane and you could be there in two hours you know so mm-hmm. that that was a, that was a comfort <laughs> I guess and and I mean with social media and cell phones and all of that you were in contact right yes but you know what 14 15 16 year old boys are like they're not great on communication <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I do know that, sadly, from experience. But yeah. but I mean, were you concerned? Like, did you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, if he gets sick, who's going to take care of him? Or if he gets injured, who's going to take care of him? Or, you know, what if he's feeling sad and homesick? And, you know, yeah. where's, the, where's the mom to put an arm around him and tell yeah. him it's going to be okay? Yeah, I, I did. The thing that really worried me, Lisa, was was the, the whole business about um, just feeling that, because, you know, 
it's a difficult age, isn't it? I think between, well, he was there from between 14 and 18. And, you know, kids change an awful lot during that, that time. Um, and it's a stage in their life, you know, when they're going through the teenage stuff where, you know, there are lots of influences around and, you know, if they don't have the right input, I guess it could be quite easy for them to, you know, go off the rails. There's all sorts of emotions and hormones and growing and all that kind of stuff going on. And I used to really worry that I was not there to provide that kind of parental influence <laughs> and guidance at such a at such an important um, stage, you know, in his development, not talking about tennis development, I'm talking about his development as a young person. Right. And that used to really worry me. But fortunately, because, you know, we had this really close relationship with Dan and he had this really close relationship with him. He did, he, you know, he was almost like the surrogate parent, if you like, um, uh, you know, which again was, was, was the advantage of sending him there. Again, if he'd have gone away to a, completely different tennis academy where he didn't have that then you know we wouldn't have done it because I know we wouldn't have had that influence at all so um so although it was worrying I was kind of pretty confident that he would be taken care of and and there were many instances where I know that 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 he was you know um Certainly, you know, you talked about injuries. My God, the worst time ever, Lisa, was was actually just last year. He was a bit older then. He was 17, but even so, he'd gone to, um, where did he go? He went to Germany to do an ITF, and he was on his own completely. This is the first time he'd ever been on his own um, without any teammates, without any coaches. Um, he went there on his own, and in his very first match, he a ligament in his ankle <laughs> oh my gosh ended up um being taken to hospital by the tournament referee <laughs> oh my gosh he was he was absolutely brilliant I have to say um but basically was in a German hospital then had to get himself back to Spain the next day uh, in a wheelchair um and you can imagine how stressful that was for me at this end um but having said that when he got back to Spain, um, the, the, the guy who, who was his fitness, his strength and conditioning coach there, you know, he took care of everything. He got the most amazing treatment. He had physio regularly, had a whole rehab plan. Um, you know, he was sending me videos of him every day, sending me updates of what he was doing, what the plans were for him to get back on court. He was absolutely brilliant. So, you know, he he you know he was taken good care of, but uh, <laughs> well, and let me let me just say that you know some of my listeners might be thinking, oh my gosh, you know, why didn't you get on a plane and go to Germany and help him and you know get him back to Spain and make sure he was getting cared for? And you know, not everyone has the financial means yeah. or the flexibility with their careers oh. to be able to do that and. And I think, you know, it's, it's important to keep in mind that here you have, you know, still your business, you know, was what, five years old at that point, six yeah. years old at that point, yeah. but, yeah. you know, but still, I mean, it's, it's your business that you own. And as anyone who owns their own business understands, if you're not there working, 
then there's no money coming in, but the bills don't stop. So, and especially, you know, if your child's requiring medical treatment, the bills are, are actually multiplying pretty rapidly. And so I, I just want to put out there that, you know, we, we in the States think, oh, Europe, everything's so close together. You just hop on a train and you're there in an hour, but that's not the reality. And, um, you know, I think the fact that Ryan had the experience of a getting injured when on his own, b having to get himself back to Spain. I mean, what an incredible growth experience for him. Certainly not one you wish for your child to have to have, but I suspect that what he gained from that long term is going to serve him well in his adult life. Absolutely, totally, and. Um... Yeah, and I was reflecting on that actually before the before we before our conversation today because I thought one of the the questions that you were probably going to get into was about you know what has he gained from that whole experience and you know there there's been the obvious things about um, you know when he went to Spain it, it was it really was a breath of fresh air to get away from the the restrictions of the the kind of UK tennis system, which some of them are just completely bonkers. The Spanish system is completely different. It was a breath of fresh air. He didn't know the kids that he was playing against. You know, it was all that kind of stuff. Um, Playing on clay is really good for him, suits his game style. And the weather is obviously fantastic. You know, it's sunny pretty much every day. Um, you know, so there's kind of obvious reasons like that, but there are other equally um, important things that he's gained from it. And that's one of the things is, is that independence, you know, having to think for himself. I mean, the whole ethos of um, the Tennis Academy and, you know, in particular Dan's ethos as a coach is about, you know, it's your tennis, it's your, you know, you've got to take responsibility for it. So you, you know, you plan your own tennis, you do it with your coach, but you take responsibility, um, you enter your own tournaments, you know, you, 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 you're independent. And, and so, yeah, that's why I, I was always very supportive of that. And although, as you say, the temptation would be to, when something like that happens, to kind of jump on a on a plane and go and sort it all out for him yes you're right financially I wasn't able to do that and also there's also a part of me that that thinks well that's good for him to be able to deal with that himself um, because I know that he has gained so much from that type of situation which is going to stand him in good stead for the rest of his life really right and if you were to ask Ryan you know, or maybe you have had this conversation with him. What, what do you feel like you gained from that four years at Soto? What would he, is it Soto or Soto? Oh, I say Soto. (laughs) Soto. Okay. Um, If you were to ask him what he feels like he gained from that experience, what, what do you think he would say? Um, I think he, well, when he left, when he left, I say left, in a sense, he hasn't really left because he'll be there for life. You know, the, the, you will always have those connections there and, and he'll be going back in the summer um, and things like that. But when he left, let's say, the full-time programme there um, in the summer, um, it was incredibly 
hard for him. <laughs> it was a huge wrench. Um, and one of the things that he said about his time there when he had to do his little speech at the end and, um, and everything else was about how he felt that he'd, he'd grown up there um he'd grown up there he'd gained a second family and and yeah and was just so grateful for for his time there and he 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 certainly he it improved his tennis massively um so there was that and also it improved him as a as a young um adult as well you know having to deal as i say having to deal with all those things himself um you know he traveled around the world you know doing itf tournaments having to um making friends i mean you know the the, the tennis network is, is incredible and it and it starts at this very young age if you're competing you know uh, in different countries i mean the number of people that he knows uh, of his own age in the tennis world and older in all sorts of different countries is astounding <laughs> And, and again, they're connections that he's made for life. You know, he can, I kind of feel like he can go anywhere and he'll always have a bed, <laughs> you know. That's a comforting thought. I mean, yeah. and, you know, the, the world has definitely shrunk. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that's wonderful. Well, yeah. Do you, you know, from the parent side of things, do you now looking back on it feel like it was – the right decision for him to go? Do you have any regrets about him going? No, it was definitely the right decision for him. Um, yeah, um, don't have any regrets at all. Um, you know, wonderful place, um, wonderful academy. You know, he developed massively as a player, massively as a, per- as a person. Um, my only regret was um, that He's not at the academy now, as opposed to four years ago. Um, you know, he was he was very much the academy was, was very much in its infancy, really, when he first started there. It grew massively in the four years that he was there um, for the for the better, and you know has continued to progress um, since then. Well, he's only been away for a few months, but I can see you know that it's just coming on in leaps and bounds, and so. That's probably my one regret because I think it's even better now than it was, you know, when, mm-hmm. when we were involved in it. Uh, but no, certainly I don't, I, I don't regret it at all. Um, I, the, the only regret is, is as, a, as we talked before, is, is from the mum perspective that I do feel there's a, a massive part of his growing up that I've actually missed, um, you know, because I didn't see him that often. And and you worry about how that affects your relationship with your child, you know, because we were, you know, we used to do everything together before he went, you know, with all this traveling around the country and, you know, staying in hotels and going to tournaments. And I actually look back at that now and think that it was a a very special time. And uh, quite often I find myself getting all teary about it and thinking, I'd love to have that time back again. But but at least we had it, you know? Right, right. Well, and so just so my listeners know, I'm going to include a link to Sato Academy in the show notes. So make sure 
Yeah. yeah, make sure to take a look at the show notes and, and you can investigate the Academy for yourself. And um, I'll make sure to include Dan's name and contact information as yeah. well, yeah. for sure. So Ryan finished his four years at Sato and he decided that he was going to try to go to university in the States. And you and I were in contact quite a bit last year during yeah. <laughs> that whole process um, because college recruiting, you know, this is the way that things happen in, in the States is very different from the way things happen in other parts of the world. And so um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that whole process, Ryan's decision to try to go to tennis and uh, try to go to college in the States to play tennis on a mm -hmm. tennis scholarship and kind of the hoops that y'all had to jump through being an international player to make that happen for him. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's Where a big question. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So start. So the first, so your first question was around why he wanted to go to America, I guess, yeah? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So this was always sort of part of the plan. He, um, yeah, uh, Dan had been really sort of, Dan went to um, American University himself. So he was at LSU um, a few, many years ago <laughs> and, um, and loved it and got, you know, a great deal from it. In fact, he met his wife there. And, um, and so he was always really enthusiastic about the whole thing. And there's kind of been lots of other people as well. Um, other coaches at Soto, the other uh, players that who were older than Ryan, who've had the whole American college experience. So it was always something that he was quite interested in. And the usual stuff about, yes, you know, wanting to play pro tennis, but obviously, most 18 year olds are not you know, physically, unless you're, you know, super duper Andy Murray type, most 18 year olds are not physically or mentally capable of doing that at, at 18. And so, you know, the idea of going to the States and really furthering your tennis development and sort of coming out of 21, 22. And if you decide you still want to give it a go on the circuit for a few years, you will be, you know, better equipped to do that. And, um, you know, um, yeah, so so that's that's he, he always liked the sound of that and it sounded kind of really sensible. So yeah, so he so that was always um part of the plan. Um having said that, I kind of didn't really know anything about it. <laughs> and it was all sort of shrouded in, in an air of mystery. Um I remember going to a presentation um years ago at uh, Edge Baston Rhyme was about she's about 10 or 11 and Sarah Borwell had um you know she she goes around the UK and she goes around tennis centres and uh, gives presentations and uh, and yeah and kind of like the sound of it then and, and could see that all the, all the advantages it would it would give um somebody like Ryan um but that was a long time ago and I'd kind of forgotten all about it <laughs> so um so I was a bit in the dark um Dan had recommended that I um uh, sign up to Sarah's program and then Sarah um basically at Tennis Smart will kind of take care of everything for you um so that's what happened really and 
really, um, it was only, I think it was last year, was it last year or the year before, that, that Ryan really started to sort of, um, uh, Sarah took charge of the whole thing. She sort of made him sort of put together a CV and she made him do um, a video. And then basically she sent it round to um, a lot of coaches in a, in a, at American universities. And um, then before we knew it, Ryan was being approached by, well, I say before we knew it, I didn't know anything about it because it didn't involve me. Um, the coaches, I don't know whether this is normal. I think it is, but the coaches don't really like the, um, uh, the parents to be involved so, you know, Ryan was just sort of setting up Skype calls or having email conversations with various coaches. And, you know, we weren't really, you know, getting involved at all. <laughs> so, um, and I was just sort of saying, he sort of mentioned, oh, I talked to somebody from Denver or I spoke to somebody from Ohio or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, did you? And and that was it, really. <laughs> so it, everything was sort of just happening um and, and I wasn't really getting too much involved. And that's probably the best way to handle things, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, when I talk about college recruiting uh, to parents, I the best thing that you can do as a parent is to let your child handle it and to yeah. stay out of things. And other than the financial piece of it. And, you know, yeah. it's important that parents are very clear with their player and very clear with their player's coach about what the what if any financial limitations there may be. So, yeah. yeah. But other than that, I, I think it's great, you know, that the kid handles it. Um, yeah. So so he worked with Sarah Borwell, who has also been on this podcast. Yes. And, ag- yes. and ag- again, listeners, I will include a link to that podcast. So if you want to go back and listen, you can. Um, and so Sarah was guiding him. I suspect suspect alongside Dan and maybe some of the other coaches at Sato. And um, so at what point did Ryan, you know, come to a decision that, yes, I'm definitely going to go to the States for university and to play tennis. Now it's just a matter of narrowing down which school, which program, which offer. Yeah, I think probably about um, 12 months ago, things seemed to sort of get more serious. Um, I I think sort of in the previous, about this time last year, um, the whole thing had really started to get more serious. Actually, it was just before Christmas last year. And he'd sort of narrowed it down to um, about three um different places that he was really keen on and the coaches seemed to be really keen on him and um and it was at that stage that then we became more involved and he was home for Christmas and I said okay well maybe you should set up Skype conversations with these coaches so we can talk to them as well um and so that's what we did so we had because obviously Ryan was at home for the Christmas holidays from Spain so um we had three um conversations with different coaches from different um colleges and uh, a three-way conversation there was um, the coach there was myself and my husband and Ryan as well and um, and following that, um, yeah, had to make some decisions. <laughs> and and I'm curious, you know, I'm guessing you guys weren't so familiar with the universities outside, you know, the well-known ones. Um, so, what kinds of questions 
were you asking when you spoke with the coaches or what type of research were you doing? Um, yeah. And Ryan as well. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, obviously we wanted to sort of find out about the, um, the, the tennis setup, you know, kind of, um, what the program was like, um, where, where they, where, where the team was, was actually ranked, um, what kind of level, um, the other players in the team were at, uh, what kind of level the players um, were at in the teams that they'd be c- competing against. Um, cause at the end of the day, you know, Ryan's there to develop his tennis. So that all that stuff is pretty important. Um, obviously the, the, the money <laughs> did come into it because you know different uh, the, the three different colleges that we were talking to all of them were, were offering different levels of, of scholarships so obviously that that has got to have an impact um we talked to the coaches and um, basically it was really important that Ryan liked them and uh, could see himself actually working with them so the coach's personality was really important and I think that's why you know things like Skype are great because you can really get a sense of you know what the coach is like from that um, and also I remember asking um coaches questions um along the lines of, well, why, you know, why do you want to recruit Ryan? And, you know, what do you see in him <laughs> that mm-hmm. makes you feel that he'd be an asset to your team and, and all that kind of stuff as well? Um, so, yeah, there, there were a number of, uh, a, a number of questions that, uh, that we thought were important. And I think it is a lot harder for us as well because, obviously, you know, in America, I know it's a big country, but, you know, I'm sure that if you really wanted to, you could get, get to see, um, you know, the universities. Whereas for Ryan, you know, one of the big worries that I had was, oh my God, you know, what if he gets off the plane at the other end and goes to this place and then <laughs> after two weeks, he's thinking, what the hell have I come to, you know, because I've right. been this place right. um, So, yeah, so that's a... Uh, that's a big, a big issue. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and so interestingly, I hope it's okay if I share this, but yeah. one of the schools that Ryan was interested in announced yeah. that they were canceling their tennis yeah. program. Yeah, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that announcement and the impact it had on Ryan and on the whole kind of process of, okay now what yeah (laughs) that was pretty tricky I have to say because we'd gone through this really hard difficult process of you know going backwards and forwards and sort of talking to people and then we narrowed it down and and then when we'd narrowed it down and we'd had the three conversations with the colleges um with the schools that was quite a big decision, you know, um, because each place each had, you know, good things and perhaps not so good things. So it was quite a hard decision. And we felt we'd really, you know, done all the hard work over Christmas. Ryan eventually made the decision to go to this, uh, this, this college. He was excited. The coach was excited. We were excited because quite frankly, they, he got a really, really good scholarship and, you know, financially, we didn't have to worry. And it, it was it was great. And so yeah, so he headed back to Spain and really happy and excited that that was going to happen. And round about, um, I think it was probably about four weeks or so later, 
the coach suddenly sent him a Facebook message and said, ah, might be a bit of a problem. Uh, We might not have a team (laughs) for 2017 um, because two colleges are merging together and we don't know whether we're going to have an uh, uh, athletic programme. He said, actually, we probably will be okay for 2017. Um, so, So don't worry about it. Actually, you can still come here and play for a year and then you might have to look elsewhere. You might not. So you know, please don't worry about it. So we didn't too much. And then it got to about March time and we still hadn't heard anything. And so I said to Ryan, do you know, time's kind of marching on a little bit and we're in the middle of March and we haven't really, you know, heard anything. And so don't you think you should get in contact with them? And literally just at the point that he was saying, yeah, mum, I think I need to do that. He got a Facebook message from the coach to say, it really breaks my heart to tell you this, but actually um, from fall 2017, uh, we don't have a tennis programme anymore. We don't even have an athletic programme anymore. And so you're going to have to look somewhere else. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. So so what do you do at that point? I mean, obviously, I, I would imagine the first response is, sheer panic because it's March and yeah. 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 It, it was sheer panic actually. Cause we're kind of like, and we were so annoyed because we knew that the other one that was also really good. Um, he, he turned that down, you know, to go to the, to go to, to, to this other one and he turned it down and obviously that place was no longer available at this other college and so we were kind of like oh my god I don't know what to do but fortunately he had also been talking unbeknown to us to somewhere else and actually um, had also really liked um, you know the coach there and all the rest of it and it wasn't too far away from the 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 the, the, the university that was going through this merger um, and so yeah and so he basically started talking to the coach again we set up another Skype conversation with this with this particular coach and actually we really liked him actually we probably liked him more than the others and so uh, so it had a happy ending <laughs> so and so he so Ryan is now in the states at University of North Georgia really close to me here in Atlanta how's it going um, well, um, good. You know, there, it's, it's been positive so far. There are other parts of the experience which have been a bit more challenging. Um, but on the plus side, well, it's a beautiful campus, as you know. Have you actually been there, Lisa? I actually have not. So, I, um, no. <laughs> but I will because <laughs> I'm going to go watch him play. So Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't actually been to the campus, obviously, because it's rather a long way. Um, but the, the pictures that he sent over and the videos and everything, it really looks a beautiful um, campus and, and looks like it's in a lovely part of uh, America, which you will also testify to, Lisa. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because it's about um, where he is. It's uh, just about an hour from Atlanta. Right. And, uh, and I'm told that Atlanta is a really, really lovely city as well. I think he's been there a few times. So, so that's really good. Um, the tennis has been good. Um, 
he some things were a little bit different than they were in Spain which was to be expected and he's just sort of got his head around that and you know no difference no worse just just a bit different got a really nice coach and is establishing a really good relationship with him which is good um enjoying the training um the other guys on the team are really are really nice um they're quite a young team lisa they <laughs> they've literally got i think there's about there's seven or eight of them on the team and five of them are, are new are freshmen so they are they are a really young team and i believe that ryan's the youngest because he only turned 18 um uh, at the end of august so he was already in america <laughs> when he when he right. celebrated his birthday um, so they're quite a young team. Um, they've done some competition uh, this uh, this semester, which I wasn't expecting because I didn't think they did the competition till till the second semester. But he did some, and they had some friendly matches, and uh, they actually had um, a real match, so one that will actually count for the. Um, you know the uh, what do you, what do you call it? What's the actual thing that they compete in, Lisa? <laughs> it, well, it's a, the dual match season, and it counts in their NCAA and their ITA rankings. Right. Okay. So they've done one match already. Uh, I know the season doesn't start properly, but they for some reason they decided to put one in in November. So that was really good because they won that. They won that, and also he's done the um, ITA regionals um so he was in those and that's that's a an individual event isn't it rather than yes. an event yeah and typically the fall is all about individual events they yeah. they obviously are competing under their school banner but they're competing as individuals yeah so that was really good did really well in that he got to the quarterfinal and just lost on a tie break <laughs> which he was really gutted about because he'd actually had a really good run and beaten I think, you know, the number two seed in the previous round and then um, was 5-2 down in the quarterfinal um, but came back and got it to a tie break and then literally... And apparently, Lisa, the final point, the ball hit the net and just dribbled over the other side. Oh, <laughs> oh it's a heartbreaker. It's the worst. <laughs> I know it was. But, but, but you know, what a great experience nonetheless for his first um, individual event. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into the actual competitive season, though, I think, which uh, which starts in a couple of weeks' time. Um, the other positive thing for, uh, from, the, from a, a parental point of view is the amount of kit that he's been given. <laughs> I just... I, I, let me just translate, sorry. because kit, kit is the, the British version of clothing and, yes. like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I could not believe uh, when he come home when he came home at Christmas how much he'd been given. I mean, they just get given a new pair of shoes every time they wear out. So he goes tends to go through about one a month, um, and they just they just get given new shoes. He's got endless amount of t-shirts, tracksuits, tops, grips string i mean everything it's just absolutely amazing so um and i wasn't really expecting that <laughs> so that was a really really nice surprise and saved me a huge amount of money so all that's, yeah. that's all that's been really really good um on the the other side the, the things that have been a bit more challenging um have been the academics <laughs> um because um 
the US system is seems to be very different than the system in the UK. Um, and what I what I'm understanding now, I didn't really understand before he went, but what I'm understanding now is that um, the American system, it's more of um you get more of a, an all an all-round education, let's say. Whereas in our country, what we do, we do um, a certain amount of subjects up to the age of 16, and then we drop the subjects that we don't like, and we and we sort of narrow our choices down to about six or seven. Um, and then when we're 18, uh, sorry, when we're 16, we do our A-levels, and then the, uh, the, the subjects get narrowed down even more. So we might only do two or three subjects for our A-levels. And then when, we time, when the time comes to go to university to do your degree, you're generally only doing one subject. And um, in America, that uh, doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> seems- yeah, no, it's very different here. They are stuck taking all those general kind of education uh, units for credit and to work toward their major, which basically by the time they're in their junior year, they're really focused around their major. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I think that was just, uh, so for Ryan, that was, that was obviously a surprise. We, we weren't really aware of it. And uh, he's ended up doing some subjects like maths, which um, he basically hasn't done for two years. <laughs> so he's got to sort of really catch up with everything and doesn't particularly enjoy maths, but there's, there's no way around that. He, he has to do it. So um, I think really for, for any, um, parent listening to this um particularly a parent in the uk who's thinking about um sending their child off to college in america i would sort of check out the um the academic side of it in terms of you know what subjects are available and 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 really the way you know what subjects um their child would have to do because certainly that was one of the biggest mistakes that that i made that we made we didn't really pay attention to that side of it um quite honestly because ryan wasn't that interested in the academic side and every time i kind of said to him you know you're gonna have to do academics as well he was like yeah 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 okay yeah it'll be fine mom you know it'll be fine typical teenage boy right teenage boy and then when he got there he was like he was like in his first week and he was messaging me and going oh I have to sit in classes and oh they just talk at me and oh I don't really like this and I said to him well we did tell you this he was like did you (laughs) (laughs) so um so yeah I would just sort of make sure that um you 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 kind of really understand what you're walking into um on the academic side because certainly that wasn't something that we were really fully aware of and uh, and that has made the the semester quite challenging for him because at the end of the day he's there for his tennis that's the stuff that he enjoys if he had his way he wouldn't um be doing the academics at all um but unfortunately as you know lisa that's not the way the system works so (laughs) no it is they are student athletes with the emphasis on student first and uh yeah yeah Yeah, so and and actually the coaches are under a lot of pressure to make sure that their players are performing academically so you know, that's that's one of the aspects of the American university system that I think a lot of international players aren't uh, aren't expecting. They're surprised by that. No. Yeah, it is surprising. I, mean, I guess it's one of the it's one of the classic things, isn't it, where everybody tells you, but until you actually go and experience it for yourself, 
um, it's it, that's when the reality sort of starts to dawn on you really um, I have to say on that side of things um, you know the coach because Ryan you know has been struggling with with, with that side of things a little bit and the coach um, has been absolutely brilliant. He's been so supportive, um, really understanding, you know, has set up, um, you know, has sat down with him and sort of laid out a schedule, um, got extra tuition and and all that kinds of things. So, you know, he's certainly been given all the, um, you know, support and he's got the support available to him, um, you know, should he want it. So that's really good. And I've been really, really impressed with that side of things because you know it'd be quite easy for the for the coach to say well actually that's nothing to do with me you know go and speak right. to your professor or go and speak to your academic advisor but he's uh, with Ryan he seems to have taken it um, very much on board and and see see you know seen it as part of his responsibility as well which has been really brilliant and something I certainly didn't expect and, and I'm very grateful for yeah that's great to hear yeah yeah that's good Good. Yeah. So on the whole, yeah, sort of um, good, good things and some not so good things. Uh, I think as well, everybody tells you, um, you know, talking to other mums who um, kids are going through the same process, talking to you about it. Um, in the past, um, talking to people like Sarah Borwell, who did the uh, the college recruitment, everybody says that the first semester is the worst. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you can, if you can get through that, then, then you know, usually the, the second semester is a lot better. Well, here's hoping for a much better second semester for Ryan, and I yeah. look forward to getting the chance to watch him play. Yeah, oh, that'll be awesome. <laughs> that'll be so exciting. I'll report back, Mom. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Oh, the other thing, <laughs> just quickly, before we have to go, one other thing that um, parents might be interested in um, is that the, they have something um, called PlaySight, and yes. uh, one of the matches, uh, one of the first matches that he did, it was only a friendly match, but uh, it was down at, I um, can't remember the name of the college now, it was somewhere in, um, was it Georgia or it might have been um, North Carolina? Anyway, um, it was a fairly big college and uh, there were about three or four colleges all did this friendly match and, and played against each other. And Ryan uh, messaged me very excited and said, you can actually watch me play. <laughs> And I said, really? And he said, yeah, you know, log onto this thing called PlaySite. And, um, and so I sat here on a, on a Saturday afternoon or sat early evening and watched him play um, a doubles. And the next day um, I watched him play a singles, which was amazing. It was just so nice to see. Um, so, yeah, so, um, you know, just know, that, just know that that is available, obviously not for all their matches, but if they have right. players there. Right. And it's typically play site is only available at the larger, yeah. more well-endowed financially yeah. programs because it is quite pricey to install that system. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is wonderful when your child is playing at a school that has that capability and you can sit at your computer and watch them. It's awesome. It's absolutely brilliant. Although I yeah. wasted a whole afternoon because you go, you log onto it and basically you can't see, you have to keep switching between the right. <laughs> right. To and figure out like, where they are. <laughs> is, that, is that him? Oh no, that's not him. I must have right. sat there for about four hours and then he missed me and he went, I won my match. I went, what match? <laughs> oh, I was playing on one of the courts that didn't have a camera. I was like, oh my God. 
<laughs> no, I did manage to catch it the the next day he played on a court that did have a camera. I managed to see him and it was amazing. It's fantastic. So, um, fantastic. you know, great, great uh, if parents get the opportunity to do that as well. It's lovely. So I'm so grateful to you for coming on and sharing your story with us because I think, you know, sometimes those of us in the States, we, we forget that our experience isn't universal, that families in other parts of the world have very different experiences coming mm-hmm. through this whole tennis journey. And especially when it comes to the college recruiting and, and that aspect of things. Um, and, and I think it's good for us to hear, you know, these other perspectives. So I really appreciate you being so honest with us today, Sharon, and, you know, okay. taking the time to chat with I just, us. I, I just hope that, you know, that, uh, that it's helpful to other parents in some way. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. Thank you so much. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.